Hey guys, it's so good to see you this morning um, to gather and worship together. We just want to direct our hearts to look to Jesus. So this morning I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 22. So this is our invitation that Jesus really does see you. He hears you this morning. He cares about you. He really is alive. So hear these words. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So this morning, let's come to him, thirsty, ready to receive and worship him. to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. And do my soul praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. And all ye who hear, now to His temple draw Join me in glad adoration. And praise to the Lord who wore all things so wondrously raised. Shielded the under his wings, yea, so gently sustaining. And has thou not seen how thy desires have been? Granted in what he would say. Prosper thy work and defend thee. Who from the heavens the streams of his mercy to send thee? Well, let's remember and ponder anew what the Almighty can do. His love does be we sing that, what a joy it is to worship him, to remember all that he's done for us. I just want to stop for a second and remember, let that sink in. It's really easy to rush through these songs, but man, let's just take a second. 
And as a way to slow down and to remember him, we're going to confess our sins, to remember that we are people who needed a savior. And once we confess, we'll receive his assurance to us. Just again, reminding our souls over and over again that he has paid the debt that we couldn't pay. So let's confess out loud together with our hearts as well as with our mouths. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions. We confess we have done what is evil in your sight. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But in repentance, we come to you and we cry out together. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquities and cleanse us from our sins. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us. Yes, God, do that. And friends, hear the great news of the gospel this morning. If you put your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can be assured that you have been washed whiter than snow. Your sins are remembered no more. He has removed your dead heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh alive to follow him. He has put a new spirit in you and has promised never to cast you out of his presence. He offers you unshakable joy from now into eternity so that even in suffering you can rejoice. So with longing for his returning, let us earnestly pray this together. Let's say it. Search us, O oh God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. Let's sing this. We stand on the solid rock. It's on Christ the solid rock I stand All the ground is sinking sand All the ground is sinking sand Yeah, let's say it again It's on Christ the Pray this out that he would become our hope, our strength, our peace, and our life. Oh God, we need you. Let's cry it out together. same spirit of singing that that we stand on Christ alone that everything else is sinking sand we just want to take time this morning to pray to pray that uh, as we start to gather in person next week on the 17th that there would be unity that we wouldn't 
stand on our opinions and fling them at one another, but there would be unity in our body and that there would be just the Lord's safety surrounding us. And then we're going to pray that God would just use our time, whether you're gathering with us in person next week or online, that he would use that just to start a revival in our community, in this area. Even if you don't live in Collins, we just want to pray that he would revive just so many places all around the world. So let's pray together. Let's ask him to do that. God, we, we come. And Lord, we just, we've already confessed that we are people who need you. Lord, we, we have slung our opinions around at each other already, even if we haven't done it out loud, Lord. We've judged each other. And God, we just confess that and we ask that you would, by your grace and by your spirit in us, just cause unity to just overflow in our church. God, that we would live with each other in an understanding way, that we would just um, bless each other. Um, yeah, God. And we just pray that as we um, feel just your, your leading to start gathering again in person, God, we pray that you would just protect us, God, that you would give us wisdom and discernment, Lord, if you want to change our plans, Lord, we just want to open our hands to that, Lord, and um, whatever you want to do, God. But as we gather back in person, Lord, and as, as we just continue to gather online over the next month or so, God, we just want to, we just want to pray um, that you would bring revival, God. We know that um, there's people that are, that are with us through this time, God, that haven't put their faith in you, Lord, and... It's nothing fancy that we could do to convince them to, to trust you as Savior. But Jesus, you alone, your spirit can just bring about revival, bring about faith, Lord. So we just ask you that faith would just spring up, just like sprouts that are starting to spring up as um, the season is getting warmer, Lord. We just ask that that same thing would happen in hearts right here in Collins, Lord, and the surrounding towns, even just across the world, Lord, as fear has risen in culture, Lord, we just want to ask that you would rise up and just be greater than our fears, Lord, that you would just lift up your name, that you would be lifted up as king of all, the only one who can save, the only hope that we can have. God, that's all, the, all those things, that's who you are. And Lord, we just, we just lift that up and we just ask you, make your name known, Make it known here. Make it known in our hearts, Lord. God, we love you. We love you. And we just ask that your kingdom would come. God, let your will be done here. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, friends, it's really good to get to worship with you and um, just even remind my own heart, and I hope that your heart's been reminded of who our God is. Um, and just his, his nearness to us and what he's done in coming towards us. So in that same spirit, you might have already said hey in the chat, but if you haven't, I just want to encourage you um, to say good morning, to share where you're at and who you're with. And then in just a second, we're going to have the M Gardens come and do our announcement time. Good morning. My name's Gabe. And I'm Rebecca. We're joining you from Collins, Iowa with our family. This morning, we've been worshiping the Lord with songs through from our heart, and now we're going to continue to worship him through giving. Um, we're not going to um, ask guests to give this morning if you don't want to, no pressure. Um, but if you are consider yourself a part of this church and um, you feel it in your heart to give, we just ask that you do that. As Christians, we're called to give generously and sacrificially. Um, True generosity doesn't come from our uh, excess. It comes from our sacrificial hearts. Um, and Jesus shows enthusiasm with um, a woman giving all that she has, a widow, um, in Luke 21, 1 through 4. And then I have a passage here to read. 21, Luke 21, 1-4, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. 
for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Um, I just love this because it really shows that um, it impressed Jesus that this woman did this and uh, enough for him to share it with his disciples. So it shows me that it's a big deal to him as well. We're seeing ways in our community as a church we can really step into caring about people physically and spiritually. You can give online. You'll see the links in the chat area. And also know you can continue to give physically. If you'd like to email, or excuse me, if you'd like to mail checks, you can find our address at the bottom of our website. Let's pray as we give this morning. Dear Lord, we just ask that you put it on our hearts to give sacrificially and uh, just give in any way we can, whether uh, through through uh, efforts of, of uh, time with, uh, with and for other people that need help in something uh, or, or just any way that you put it on us that we can give to help people in need through, through this time uh, during this, this uh, pandemic. And just pray that uh, uh, you'll, you'll guide us and lead us uh, to wherever you want us really to be uh, in our community and outside of our community, just we just ask that you help us in this so we can help people in need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Our first announcement this morning is a great opportunity we have to serve our community this week. The town of Collins received a grant to purchase meals from local restaurants for people in our community. We have the opportunity to help deliver food from 5 to 7 p.m. in Collins this Thursday. We had a great and safe time helping with this two weeks ago. Please email the contact at Sacred Mission Church if you'd like to be a part of this. Our next announcement is in regard to this coming Sunday, May 17th. Pastor Tim shared last week that we'd be gathering in person starting May 17th. Yay! We actually have to get ready and do our hair and stuff, girls. Um, and uh, guys too. Yeah, we're taking several steps to ensure safety and the ability to maintain social distancing. Um, one of the major changes this month uh, is that we're not going to be having kids church, so we'll still continue to have it online at 9 a.m. Um, and then, if you're feeling like you're not quite comfortable gathering in person, that's okay too. We're going to continue doing services um, online as well. Um, as we get back to getting together again, we want to invite you to join our take take um, our teardown teams and setup teams. If you want to be a part of that, show up at 7 a.m. at the at the school, and um, somebody will get you plugged in. And whether you choose to gather in person or online, we're just really excited to see you next week at 10 a.m. Our student ministry, the Well with the Collins Christian Church, has been gathering online the past few months. We will gather online right here tonight at 6 p.m. But starting next Sunday night, May 17th at 8 p.m., we will be having a campfire movie night at the Kimberly's house. All students 6th through 12th grade are invited to come. Bring, Please bring your own lawn chairs and watch The Chosen, a new series about the life of Jesus projected on the outside of the Kimberly's house. We will keep social distancing rules and have a great time gathering together for the first time. Email or reach out to Christy at Sacred Mission Church for more information. Lastly, we want to remind you that we have sermon notes just for kids out there to follow as long, follow along as Pastor Tim uh, preaches. We'll post the link in the chat session right now so you can print them out for the kiddos. Um, and that's all for our announcements. Grab your Bible and find the book of Daniel as we turn the sermon over to Pastor Tim. Happy Mother's Day! Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, thank you, M. Garden, so much. Uh, it is good to gather. It's good to be together. Uh, I, I'm really glad just to to know that the church is is not a place. Um, might hear that a lot, but but to really feel that, that the church is not a place, um, it's a people. 
Uh, so it's not a place as in the elementary school. It's not a place as in online. The church is truly a place. But I think the church, though, or I think I said that wrong. The church is not a place. It's a people. Um, but the church is not just any people. Um, the church is just not like, oh, all these people that walk in this building typically, and now those people are are the church. Um, the church is is not just any people either. The church is specifically uh, a local community. A local church is a local community of people who walk with Jesus, people who have given their lives to Jesus. Those are the people in a local community who have been formed together by God who are the church. And as we're going to have so many different thoughts on coronavirus, uh, uh, man, let's not have different thoughts on what the church is. (laughs) Let's not have different thoughts on what it means to be a part of the church, what it means for Jesus to be our, our Savior, to be our King, to be the head of the church. So as some are comfortable and as we're careful to come together uh, and, and to ease in together uh, on May 17th, and for many reasons, many others, uh, maybe even more than will come together, will be gathering us, with us online. Um, those of us who are trusting Jesus for our salvation, we will be the church gathered. Um, we will be the church together. Whether we're gathered, whether we're scattered, we will be the church. Uh, no one le- is going to be left out from this. Uh, no one's going to be on the on the sidelines uh, if, if for whatever reason you're choosing to stay home or, or choosing to come, um, that if you have put your trust in Jesus, you're part of the church. If you have not, the church is inviting you, imploring you, encouraging you to do that. Um, and that's his call. That's his thing. Jesus is the one that brings us together. He's the one that forms us. He's the one that is even uh, draw, draws us to himself. And so, um, and he does this so intimately that he, he thinks of us as organs, tissue of the same body that he is the head of with the blood of Jesus running through each one of us, covering us. He's our king. We're citizens of his kingdom. Um, and let's just press into that. Let's let this be a time when we recognize uh, what it means to follow him, what it means to see his kingdom advance, his kingdom grow. And uh, it's not accidental that he's led us once again to a chapter of the Bible, to Daniel chapter 3, and uh, focus front and center once again on his kingdom and what it means to walk with him in totally uncertain times. Um Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Lord, open our eyes as we open your word. Open our heart as we open your word. We don't want to play church here. We don't want to just uh, hear words and walk away like we just heard random words, like we heard any commercial on TV. We don't want that. What we want is actually to hear your voice loud and clear through the ages, through the heavens, into into an open heart, ready to be directed by you, whatever may come from that. And we just ask that um, that we would not play at church this morning, that we would truly meet with you and be changed. Amen? All right, verse 1 of chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces. There's a lot of bureaucracy in Babylon. Provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, we're not going to leave anybody out of this list. Because you, can, you just feel the bureaucracy as we're going through this in, in this chapter. But verse 3, then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, 
You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And this man has gone crazy. Nebuchadnezzar has lost his mind. You would think chapter two never happened. You'd think chapter one never happened. What happens here is bonkers. It's crazy. The last two weeks, we've been walking through chapter two of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream that terrifies him. He is a war-hardened guy, and he sees an image that terrifies him. He's troubled in his soul. He threatens to kill all the wise men of Babylon if they can't tell him his dream and the interpretation of the dream. Daniel, then, because he walks with God and he doesn't answer to the whim of Nebuchadnezzar, he actually walks with God, Daniel is able to tell the king both the dream and its interpretation. The interpretation is this giant image, and if you remember, of the giant image where Nebuchadnezzar fits in his dream is of that giant image, the head is gold. But remember then, the the shoulders and the arms are silver, and they represent a kingdom, so Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is going to end. And after that kingdom is going to come another kingdom. Uh, Then the rest of the image, if you remember the interpretation, is that then there'll be a kingdom of bronze that comes after the kingdom of silver. Uh, Then the, the legs and the feet are iron, and that represents the Roman Empire, which will come after these other three empires. But then The huge part of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2 and Nebuchadnezzar's experience and the interpretation that Daniel looked eyeball to eyeball to Nebuchadnezzar and told him about was how, you know, that image was totally destroyed. That statue crumbled by a stone that came out from no human hand, and, and that stone struck the feet. The whole thing crumbled. You couldn't detect any of it. And then that stone became this kingdom that filled the entire earth and this king that will never end. That was was God showing his might to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar here is still trying to make his life all about himself. So what's Nebuchadnezzar's like next move on the heels of being told about this great kingdom and this great king, he thinks about himself. His next move is to build an entire statue, not just where the head is gold, but an entire statue where the whole thing is gold. It's all him and his kingdom and his awesomeness. And so he creates this whole statue and it's over 10 stories tall. It's 90 feet tall. And I just, just for comparison, the Statue of Liberty is 151 feet tall. So this thing is like nearing, it's not as big as the Statue of Liberty, but once again, the Statue of Liberty is not made of pure gold, right? So he's making this amazing, huge thing out of gold and... Um, there's no silver in it. There's no bronze in it. There's no iron in it. It's, it's all about him. From head to toe, this golden statue symbolizes the hubris of Nebuchadnezzar in defiance of what the God of heaven revealed to him through Daniel. It's as if the king thinks that he can stop that from happening if he just goes all in and makes this statue and this thing all about him. 
He sets the statue up in the plain of Dura. It seems he wanted to have it this wide open space outside of the city to allow for, you know, maximum worship capacity. So he sets it up so that it's this wide space. Then he forces everybody who works for him to come. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces, and then probably all the little people will be there as well. But you want to make sure the important people are there is the way he's thinking. The last group is why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there, the officials of the provinces. Um, in verse, um, verse 3, all that they know so far, if you're just reading into chapter 3, by the time you get to verse 3, all you know as they're like showing up to work, they see the memo, they know they need to go out of the city uh, to the dedication of this thing, all that they know is they're just going to a dedication of Nebuchadnezzar's pride. No one's life is on the line. This is just kind of a corporate outing to see this gold statue and to dedicate this massive gold statue. Um, it's not until everyone is already gathered together. They're in the plain of Dura. They're standing on the ground. It's not until they're all together in verse 4 that they're told how this is going to play out. They had no time to think about this in advance. Verse 4 says, And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyra, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you're to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar has just gone on a ridiculous power trip. He has given no time for anyone to think about it. If I give them time to think about it, maybe they won't worship me. I'm just going to call it right now, allegiance of everybody to me, go. He doesn't give anyone time to talk it over with their spouses. He doesn't give anybody time to tell their kids goodbye if they plan to refuse. He assembles the leaders of his kingdom and tells them on the spot, worship the statue of me or you will be thrown into a furnace right now. He is an evil king with a hideous ego. The vision of this ultimate king whose reign will never end who will destroy the work of all kingdoms that are not built on God. Man, I think for Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, yeah, 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 that's in the past, or that's in the future. That's like several empires from now. Um, man, I live today. I'm living right here, right now. That king, all that is generations from now. What matters is today. Worship me today. The way verse 7 describes it, it seems everyone had no problem worshiping him under those terms, under those conditions. On that day, every knee, we're told, just bows to the king of Babylon. That's what we would have thought, maybe, if that's where the chapter ended. And man, verse 8, it's, it's interesting how, how it plays out, how it's written, but in verse 8, we just see this ray of sunshine shoot across the horizon. Verse 8, Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously, maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever! You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, they keep saying it, they keep saying the whole thing, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Verse 11, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are, hey king, we're, we love you, we're only thinking about you here in verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you, you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their names, perhaps. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These Chaldeans, man, they're just good-hearted people. 
just trying to do the right thing, right? <laughs> these people are furious that Nebuchadnezzar appointed these Jewish teenagers to such a high position. They were looking for any chance to stab them in the back, to take their jobs. The first thing they say to Nebuchadnezzar to just stroke his ego is a bold-faced lie. They say to him, oh, king, live forever. <laughs> That's a lie. He's not going to live forever. He's acting like he's going to live forever. They're stroking his ego, being like, oh, yeah, whatever those kingdoms were in that dream and all that stuff, you're going to live forever. Don't worry about that, right? They're, they're stroking his ego that he's going to live forever. And then, and then they just approach this man, Nebuchadnezzar, who's acting like a fool, of all the large crowds, it seems here in the text that, there were ma- that these were the only three people who didn't worship him. And man, they didn't worship him because the spot is taken for their worship. And they're not looking for anybody else to take that spot. They're not looking for anyone to take over the place of the center of their lives. The way that the Chaldeans speak about this in verses 11 and 12, you can tell that they're trying to set Nebuchadnezzar up, letting him know that he was the one that handpicked these guys, and that the guys that he handpicked, they worship a different king. How outrageous. Even though we know the whole reason he lifted them up was because they worshiped a different king and they heard from the God of heaven. These bloodthirsty Chaldeans with just evil running through their veins are pursuing these three young men and they don't care what happens to them. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyra, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, what's it up with them keep saying all these things? To fall down and worship the image that I've made well and good. He's complimenting himself on the great image that he made that is well and good. But, so he's enticing them as much. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? This God, the true king, is a million miles away from Nebuchadnezzar's head right now. Nebuchadnezzar is in a furious rage at these guys who only months before he was applauding for their devotion to the God of heaven. He is now so blinded by his pride. In verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar has the gall to demand their allegiance to him, to demand their worship. The whole image is gold. It's all him. It's all about him. And the stone is nowhere to be found in his life nowhere to be found in his speech, the true king whose kingdom will never end. It'd be better for Nebuchadnezzar to just spend one day as a doorkeeper in that kingdom than a thousand elsewhere. And um, he is resisting every bit of all of that revelation that's been shown to him. Nebuchadnezzar even assumes that there is no God who can deliver a person from his power. Their life is on the line. These guys These young men could be dead in minutes, not hours, but minutes. They don't say, hey, a timeout. Uh, Can I get a break to see uh, just uh, where my allegiance lies? Can I kind of get away and do like a personal retreat and see like if maybe I'll get some direction on this? No, they have right now to decide where their allegiance lies. The quickness, what I love, verse 16 They speak clearly, quickly, and uh, they are not searching for what they should do. Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You're not the one we answer to. If this be so, 
if you are going to throw us in the fire right away, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That is certain. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, if he doesn't deliver us out of the fire, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Man, the quickness of their response in verse 16, you see the steel backbone that only comes when the true king is your king. The clarity that comes in the midst of such confusion, the clarity that comes when when he is the center of your life, when the true king is your Lord, Satan can have his foot on your neck and your face can be in the mud, but you can grin looking up, knowing that one day you will rise. You are a citizen of the kingdom that has no one and nothing who will ever overthrow it. The king is the king that will ever be the king, following the king whose kingdom will never end, the king who will destroy all other kingdoms. When the forever true king is your king, you don't have to go away and ponder your allegiance. Man, Lord, would you form this in us? Would you form this resolve in each of us, this resolve that you formed in these young men? Would you form in us that, that it, when we are gathered, that we are, when we are scattered, that we are yours? The one who clearly knows was in the darkness and in whom light dwells, that we're yours. In the face of such truth, Nebuchadnezzar has no ability to touch their souls. There's nothing that he can do to affect them eternally. There's everything that God can do. In the face of so much truth, Nebuchadnezzar should have woken up. Nebuchadnezzar should have reconnected with reality. He should have backed down but he doesn't. He keeps the delusion of his power going and he selfishly seeks to kill for his ego. Look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He goes dark. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. He takes some of his best warriors. He heats the furnace up as hot as it'll go. He puts a bunch of extra flammable clothing on these guys. His blinding rage cost the life of some of his best soldiers because they had never experienced the industrial furnace to be this hot. They fall into the furnace. Verse 24. I love how this is what scripture does. It doesn't have to build up. It doesn't have to build up this uh, major climax. It just shares what happened. And verse 24 is what happened. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste he declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar gets off his throne finally Physically, he gets up, he gets off of his throne physically, and I think figuratively as well, he finally gets off his throne. He's astonished. He, 
he in haste gets off his throne. It's so obvious that there are four guys in there that he even says it out loud. We, uh, we threw in three guys, right? And the response to Nebuchadnezzar here seems like he just has surrounded himself with yes men. Because look, they're like even trying to compliment him and save face with the king. We threw in three, right? They answered and said, true, O king. Yes, you're very intelligent. Yes, there were three men that we happened to throw in there. And then he actually gets honest. And he gets honest through all of the pomp, all of the bureaucracy, all of the circumstances around what he's tried to build. And he says with honesty, I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The kingdom from his dream that probably seemed like it was so far in the future. Oh yeah, that true king that's coming, that like is like five kingdoms from now, that's so far in the future. Well, guess what, Nebuchadnezzar? He is standing right in front of you. The true king is in the flames with his people. He's standing right in front of you. You're looking right at him. That's the true king. You're not the true king. The king of Babylon is not the true king, and he is actually standing right in front of you. He's the ancient of days, and he is present in this moment. He's alive and well. He's eternal. He'll come as a baby, and this is is known as the pre-incarnate Christ, that we see his eternality, we see that he is the Ancient of Days, he's known as the Angel of the Lord at very key times, he is the Son of God. He's in the fire of Nebuchadnezzar's pride with those guys. Man, Nebuchadnezzar is trying to kill those who oppose him, he rescues. The true king rescues, and all he rescues at first oppose him. Anyone who opposes Nebuchadnezzar, they're going to die. You oppose the true king, that's, that's the way it works. That none of us seek him. None of us have sought him. It's only his grace that invites us to follow him. A lot of times he does that by convicting our hearts of our sin, letting us hear messages like this that say, if you put your trust in him, you will have everlasting life. He will... When Nebuchadnezzar looks to crush people, the true king allows himself to be gladly crushed so that our sins can be paid for and that we can walk with him in the flames and walk with him in uh, in the springtime, the beautiful moments, hard moments. He is there with us in all of those things. Man, Nebuchadnezzar just needs to resign trying to be the king Let his rule over you, Nebuchadnezzar, be your delight. Don't rule others. Let him rule you. Would his kingdom come? Would his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are patiently continuing to bring Nebuchadnezzar back to. Daniel has been trying to bring Nebuchadnezzar back to you as God is pursuing him and as God is pursuing us. The rest of chapter three is Nebuchadnezzar letting the guys walk out. The Son of God in the fire with them is never mentioned again. The three young men are so protected by God in that moment that they don't even smell like smoke. Once again, Nebuchadnezzar talks highly of this God. Nebuchadnezzar is really excited that he is the God of these three guys. Nebuchadnezzar even goes so far to say that he's going to kill anyone. He's going to kill anyone who says anything bad about this God. He promotes the young men even higher in Babylon than they were before. And in all of this stuff, Nebuchadnezzar is no closer to God. Once again, we end chapter three that Nebuchadnezzar is no closer to this true king. He's no closer to God. He praises him as a distant fan. He doesn't personally bow to him. He doesn't personally talk to him. He doesn't personally give his life to him. He is still king of his world. And what does it take for Nebuchadnezzar to finally be humbled? And we're going to see that next week of what it takes for Nebuchadnezzar to finally be humbled. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't any better than Nebuchadnezzar. The same sin, 
The same pride flows through their veins as Nebuchadnezzar's, as mine. The only difference between Nebuchadnezzar and those three young men is just one thing, one extraordinary thing. They have a personal relationship with the true king. When they withdrew from community in isolation, in seclusion, in solitude, they met personally with God. You could tell they had been with God. They read his words. They spoke to him through prayer. They had a private, personal, vibrant relationship with him. But then they took it public when they were in public. He's the God of heaven and the God of every day on earth, not just Sundays. They would withdraw with God every day. Then when they were in community, they had been rooted with him. Their allegiance wasn't up for grabs. Their personal time with God fueled and defined the rest of their lives. Imagine what would happen in our community. Imagine what would happen in Collins Maxwell. Imagine what would happen in Colonesco. Imagine what would happen in Baxter if each of us gave our lives to Jesus in the same way. Imagine if being citizens of his kingdom fueled our lives more than the American dream. Daniel and his friends weren't terrible Babylonians. They actually served their community really well by representing reality. They cared enough for Nebuchadnezzar not to just be another one of his yes-men. They stood for God so that Nebuchadnezzar one day could be able to stand before him too. What if each of us step more into the presence of this king? We fall on our knees so we can rise together and let him shine through us. Let's pray together, please. Lord, would we be a people more than ever who are about your kingdom, not ours? Would each of us have such a personal relationship with you where our hard hearts soften in your presence? You take over the reign of our lives. And would you give us a steel backbone to stand in the face of everything that is evil because you're our king? Amen? Amen. He's the one. Let's, let's draw to him. If it's putting your faith in Jesus for the first time, if it's drawing to him just like they did, uh, those three young men and Daniel, they would come to him over and over again. Let our hearts be melted. And I think it seems appropriate for us to wrap up this time. And I want to encourage you, um, if you're sitting down, to maybe stand up or if you want to kneel um, but it, we haven't done this as an online church yet, but as a response, as a response to this one, as a response to this king, um, for us to worship together. So Chrissy's going to come and lead us to the true king.
Yeah, and God, we just pray that this would be true of us, Lord, that we wouldn't just watch from a distance and be fans, but that we would truly put our hope in you alone, put our faith in you alone today, God. We love you, Jesus. We lift up your name, your victorious name. You are the king of all kings. God, and I just pray that our hearts would turn to you. God, we love you. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, friends, um, we hope to see you next Sunday, whether you gather with us in person um, at 10 a.m. or if you want to gather online with us, we're going to be in both places. So we'll see you next week, and thank you for joining us today.